Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, registered dietitian, picky eating specialist, and mama of two. You're listening to the Nutrition for Littles podcast, aimed at helping you raise healthy, independent eaters. Each week, we will tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby led weaning, and so much more. Let's jump right into today's topic. Mama, I see you. You're tired of making different meals and crossing your fingers that tonight might be the night where they actually try those veggies. You're so tired of putting things on the plate just to watch them not get touched. Maybe you're even feeling stuck in a never-ending cycle of bribing, begging, bargaining to get your little one to eat. Maybe you feel like they wouldn't eat anything unless you count down their bites or even feed it to them. I bet you're even worried that they're just not getting enough and certainly not enough of the things that you know that they need. You're not sure that they're reaching their full potential living off pizza and goldfish crumbs. You're ready for a change or else you might just throw in the towel altogether. Maybe you're feeling like you're at your wit's end with picky eating and feeling like nothing will work. You need a plan to finally beat picky eating and get back to enjoying meals again. If this sounds anything like you, then this program was literally made for you. Table Talk is the picky eating program that works. It's the program that teaches you to be your own feeding expert because at the end of the day, you know your child best. And feeding kids shouldn't be this hard. Picky eating can take over your life feeling like every meal is worse than the last. It's time to reclaim your kitchen and actually start enjoying meals together. Table Talk is a targeted program that teaches you the strategies and methods that kick picky eating to the curb for good. Take it from Lola, who's a mom of a little one who she was ready just to throw in the towel altogether about picky eating, but then she took Table Talk and at the end she said, since taking Table Talk, my daughter's foods, likes and loves is over a hundred. Can you imagine what it would be like for your little one to like or love over a hundred foods? Throughout the Table Talk program, you'll learn how to get them to eat more variety and new foods, make sure that they're eating the right amount, and finally have peaceful meals again as a family. You'll learn how to stop pressuring them to eat and what to do to encourage them without pressuring. Plus, you will feel confident at the table knowing that everything you're doing is leading to raising a healthy, happy, and independent eater. All right, you can click the link in the description box below to enroll in Table Talk today. And when you do that, you will also get my Demystifying Desserts mini course completely for free. This course teaches you how to take desserts off the pedestal and put them back where they belong and end the obsession with sugar. All right, click the link in the description box below to get started today. Hello, hello, you guys. I'm so excited to have you back on the podcast, especially excited because I have Stephanie here with me and uh, it's going to be a great little chat. And I'm going to throw it over to her to introduce herself and tell us what she does and things like that. But first, I want to let you know if you haven't already, go check out the Mama Well podcast, where we also had Stephanie on as a guest not too long ago. And it was such a great conversation. I think it will pair really well with today. Um, But we're going to get a little bit deeper into, you know, being a parent of a picky eater and what that looks like. So Stephanie, can you take a second to say hi, tell everyone who you are, what you do, and a little bit about your background? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, Alyssa. 
Um, yeah, so I'm Stephanie Lopez, and I am a mindset and emotion coach, and I really help focus on guiding moms to decrease their anxiety, people-pleasing, and just conquer difficult thoughts and emotions. I tend to work with a lot of perfectionists and high achievers, and I am a recovering perfectionist myself. And in terms of my background, I am an industrial organizational psychologist, and I worked at NASA for eight years and last year transitioned from being a NASA psychologist to a mom coach, which has been so much fun. I just feel so rewarded every day, like seeing the transformations. And on a personal note, I have two girls. Um, they are almost two and four years old, and my four-year-old is a picky eater. Of course, of course they are, you know, you know, it, it's something about that first child, especially, but um, thank you so yes. much for that introduction. I think it's so, I don't know, I just was thinking about this right before we hopped on, like, thank God for people like you, truly, because I, you know, my parents, you know, didn't have this Instagram world, or really, they had the internet, but it was pretty limited. And I don't know if they would have even looked for like, a mom mindset coach, you know what I mean? And we have this ability to right. say, hey, I don't like the mindset that I'm showing up with with my kids every day. I don't like being frustrated with them. And maybe I'm a yeller. Maybe I shut down. Maybe, you know, I get really emotional. And and how can I leverage my gifts and change my mindset to really improve and um, build upon my my child's experience as a child, right? Because this is the foundation that they're going to be taking into adulthood one day. And I just think it's so incredibly powerful that we have access to someone like you here on the podcast and through your work. And just thank you. Thank you for coming on and thank you for all you do. Aww. Oh my goodness. I just am so grateful to know you and our, our conversation over at the Mama Well podcast was so powerful. I knew I wanted to have you on here as well and introduce Aww, you to my you. audience over here. So yeah, let's break that down a little bit more. So okay, so you're a mindset coach, I'm probably going to get it wrong of what you call yourself. But, um, you know, <laughs> okay. let's talk about what are some of the biggest struggles you see in your coaching clients? What do they bring to you saying, hey, can you help me through this? And what are some of your favorite little tricks, I want to say, or ways to kind of adjust their mindset um, to see things in a new way? Yeah, okay. So I think at the foundation, my clients come to me with different struggles related to their emotions mm -hmm. and thoughts. Some of them are having like more explosive, yeah. you know, like where they're getting really angry and some are shutting down. And, and what that comes down to is our own insecurities and lack of knowledge around emotions. I was actually recently talking to one of my friends who took your course previously. Oh. And, um, and, and she's like, Steph, like, if I didn't know you, I wouldn't even know this is something that like, I could hire somebody yes. for. Exactly. Yeah. So just I just wanted to add that just like you said, like, people, people don't know and that they, they can get help with this. And there's so many things that we do not learn that are frankly, their life skills. Yes. And it's really unfortunate. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I think I forgot one of your questions. Oh, no, that's okay. I think that's that's such a great point. Okay. It's just that, you know, we don't have yeah. to struggle through it. We don't have to be defeated yes. by it. We can figure mm-hmm. out tools, you know, to regulate our own emotions and help our kids mm-hmm. regulate their own emotions now so that when they become parents or adults just functioning in the world, they too can avoid things like the explosive behavior or, you know, retreating or things like that. And and so, yeah, I would love to talk yes. a little bit more about um, picky eating, right? This is, of course, what my yes. audience is here for is they struggle with picky eating mm-hmm. around the table. And there's a lot of emotion that comes up, especially when I teach on things like it's okay that they don't finish their plate. And then all of a sudden the parent goes, well, what about the wasted food? Or maybe I say, it's okay if they eat nothing. It's okay if they eat a bite and then say that they're all done. And that can really bring up a lot of fear in parents and anger. I see Mm -hmm. both those things. I also see sadness, Mm -hmm. right? Sadness um, really Mm -hmm. around this, like, I wish they would try new food. They're missing out on experiences. Maybe they're even getting, you know, uh, some flack at school for being the weird kid, you know, or whatnot, just eating noodles every single day or whatever it might be. So there's a lot, I think what you touched on there of saying, you know, a lot of this is coming from our own insecurities, some things that we're uncomfortable with that we're not willing to face, whether that is emotional regulation. And also, I think in the food realm, too, of we grew up having to finish our plate or we grew up, you know, having our bites counted and and we grew up, you know, feeling um, this level of guilt or shame if we eat something and not another thing or we eat this and not that. So I'd love for you to break that down. How do you see that kind of come across at the table, especially with a picky eater yourself? And um, two yes. kind of talking, I know we talked, was it the rainbow, right? Or the upside down? I forget what you Oh, yeah, yeah. The upside down you, but I think, I think, uh, Brooke, yeah. You or Brooke said, yeah. Brooke came up with this idea of like, oh, it's kind of like a rainbow. And you're like, oh, actually, I like that. <laughs> I like that. I actually forgot yes. about it. Can oh, that's so that? funny. I did like it. We remembered now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you can walk um, the parents who are listening through what that is, um, if they're not sure too. Okay, absolutely. So I guess I'll I'll start there. Um, what I what I find that almost none, I, it might even be safe to say none of my clients know each emotion has a cycle. And so that's like an inverted you or a rainbow. And what we learn as children, most of us is cut off your emotions. And our parents and caregivers are doing this from a really, really good perspective most of the time, or with good intentions, because they want us to learn to regulate our emotions. Right. However, when we don't allow ourselves to feel the full emotion, what ends up happening is um, we have all of these other negative outcomes that can be increased anxiety, like low level anxiety all the time, um, symptoms in our bodies, you know, pit in our stomach, that type of thing. And so I'm trying to connect this to picky eating in the moment. Um, But basically one takeaway there is to, there are tools to be able to feel your full emotions and not cut it off. And one way to do that is with stream of consciousness journaling. And I can talk more about that if you want, but I have a couple things that came up as you were talking about picky eating that I think um, could be helpful yeah, too in the moment. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So One thing I noticed while you were talking is how many of us have these rules around what is right and wrong. And so one of the five primary functions of the brain is to categorize things into two beds. Okay. Good, bad, right, wrong, all, nothing. Okay. And so your brain will do this automatically. 
The key though, is to recognize that just because your brain is doing this on autopilot doesn't mean it's true. So for instance, just because your kid and you can fill in the blanks if I'm not thinking of all the picky eating things, but like doesn't want to eat certain foods or doesn't finish her plate or only takes one bite or wants more um, cookies or whatever, that doesn't mean it's wrong. Yeah. And when we hold on to the rule that it is wrong, then we end up having stronger emotional reactions. So it's actually like us latching onto the rules and being rigid in that way is actually making us have bigger emotional reactions, whether it's bigger in terms of fear, feeling scared, feeling angry, feeling frustrated, all that. That's so true. I think too, and what we had talked about on on the last podcast we were um, talking together and just so many aha moments for me was this idea that we have an an emotion or a response to something that's going on in front of us. Maybe that's they're leaving a lot on their plate, we're going to have to throw it away or, you know, they're not eating enough, they're not going to grow. You know, it's fear or or anxiety or frustration, all those kind of emotions. And we tell ourselves this story. And like you said, so something happens where they leave something on their plate and we tell something, a story to ourselves. And then that emotion comes Mm -hmm. from really us telling that story. And I think that's exactly what you're hitting on. And I am so familiar with those buckets of black and white thinking. I am such a perfectionist. It's not even funny. I'm recovering. I'm working on it. Um, But absolutely this idea of, oh, they only ate one bite of broccoli and they're, you know, then we're telling ourselves a story of they're not getting enough nutrients. They're not going to grow. They're never going to eat broccoli. They'll never eat vegetables. I know vegetables are good for them. All this stuff. We're like telling us this story that may not even be rooted in fact. And then all of a sudden we have an emotion because we're like, if all these things are true, I just said in my head, and this happens lightning fast, right? Then I'm scared. Mm -hmm. Then I'm worried. And sometimes that worry and and scared comes out as anger, at least it does for me. And we're immediately like, oh, I can use, I can leverage my anger to get them to X, Y, Z. Does that sound about right? Yes. Oh, I Beautiful. Okay. So yes, the stories, this all connects to the story. So just to break it into like three pieces, we hear or see something, we make up a story. And then like you said, we emotionally react to the story that we made up. So I want to make a couple points. Our stories, we tend to think they're true because we base our stories on past experiences, things that we've seen. I have to tell you though, they are very, very, very frequently mm-hmm. not true. Um, so the more that you can tune into what those stories are, the more you can regulate your emotions better. You can fact check, you know, what you're thinking and assuming and just feel calmer, honestly, because like you said, like very, it can escalate from like them not eating broccoli to like, they're never, they're going to, they're going to be yes, failures, you know, totally. <laughs> in life. And it's just like, that. it's just not true, but that's all fear. And it's okay to feel afraid in that way, like to have those fears, because honestly, what that means is you want the best for your kid, right. you know, or your children. And that's incredible. Um, and tuning into the the stories that you're making up on autopilot, by the way, that's another primary function of the brain, allows you to change the story if you want mm-hmm. to. I love that so much. And this kind of feels honestly like I'm coming back because literally I paid such good attention to our last conversation. I went back and listened to it. It was so, so good. 
And I'm feeling like oh, so many things are clicking that I was I was necessarily teaching truly on my Instagram and things like that, but I didn't fully understand it. So you were able to put so many pieces in place where I was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. And I can see it happen so clearly at the table. In other areas, I need like a lot of help to remember like I'm telling myself a story right now and it's not true. And I love yes. what you said in there is a lot of times that story is based on our past, our lived experience. So if, if you yes. have an experience of, you know, being a kid who was maybe bullied in school for what you ate, you're going to maybe feel a lot of fear even before your kid starts school of like, I better get picky eating figured out now because I don't want them to go to school and get bullied because you're already telling yourself that that's going to happen, even though we're like years off from them even going to school and bringing lunch to school on top of that. Right. And so I think that's just such a good reminder to parents um, that not only is this based in our experience, not fact, but also we have the power to change it. And and I want to touch on that in a minute. But I did want to bring up something else you said is like, we can actually compare these stories and fact check them. So something that I love to do with mm. parents, I, I teach this in table talk, I go really in depth into nutrition, and an area where a lot of parents come to me after taking table talk going, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I thought my toddler needed way more protein, right? And they're like, so stressed about getting protein, 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 proteins, this building food, this strength food, we need protein to grow. And we're like, they need to eat three chicken breasts a day. Like that's you know, they wouldn't say that out loud, but I think that's kind of what they're thinking is like, they need a lot of protein. Yeah. And then when I break it down, how many grams are we talking about? Oh my gosh. So for like how much they actually need? Oh gosh. Okay. So you take their weight essentially and 40 40 pounds. So they would need half of that in grams. So 20 grams of protein. Give or take. Okay. Every kid is a little different. So, but So we're talking 20 grams. Yeah, that's right. helpful. But a cup of milk has eight grams. So you're like, you're almost halfway. And then yogurt has exactly. like 12. Yes, exactly. Bam. Boom, bam, done. <laughs> and so that's the fact checking that you can wow. do, right? You can say, hey, yes. hold up. Alyssa on Instagram said we only needed half their weight in protein <laughs> and grams. And that's an average per day, right? And so we go, okay, well, they had a hard boiled egg and, you know, they had this high protein pasta and they're probably there, right? And so then we can start to kind of calm ourselves down too. Um, I would love for you to touch on how can we start to flip this mindset so we can start telling ourselves new stories, better stories, truer stories. Um, What are some tips that you give there to, to start doing that? Absolutely. Thank you for sharing the protein tip, by the way. I was like, oh, might as well learn yes, something here. <laughs> all, all the time. I'd love to share it. Uh, um, okay. So a lot of people, when I share this, their mind is like blown, right? We are always responding to the, these stories that we're making up. And they're like, yeah, but in the moment when I'm feeling frustrated, I'm not aware of what the story right. is. And so this takes practice. So what I want you to start doing is the moment you become aware, like, hmm, perhaps my emotional reaction was more extreme than like it it ought to have been for that situation. In that moment, separate like, what did I see or hear? Like what happened? And then what, what did I make up or assume? Mm. Or what am I worried about? And so you're really going to build your skill by doing it over and over and over again. The more that you do this, the faster you will get and the more easy you will be able to just do it on autopilot. Like very quickly now, because I've been doing this for nearly a decade, I can say like, I just made up a story, blah, 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 blah. And pe- but people are like, like, what are you talking about? And so it's just, <laughs> how did you get there that fast? So it's just practice and it is building a habit. So 
I don't want you to listen to this. And then if you're perfectionist, especially get down on yourself next week, because you can't figure out what stories you're making up. Like, it's just, it's not the, you're not going to build a skill that fast. It's like any other skill. Truly. Yeah. And I, I love that idea of like just giving yourself a little bit of space and realizing that in the moment when you're frustrated is probably not the time. Um, I mean, I guess if you're super skilled at it, it it'd be ideal. But, you know, taking that little right. bit of space and I've certainly done that with my kids and realized, oh, yeah, maybe that was like a little bit harsh. And it's funny how easy it is to spot it in other people. Since we talked, I'm like, oh, my husband mm-hmm. just got triggered by something and is making up the story. But like, it's hard to have that conversation with him. And, um, but it's so helpful, because building that skill together, especially if you have a partner that you're raising your kids alongside can be really helpful, especially if you kind of let your guard down your pride down a little bit and allow them to point it out to you sometimes. um, And open that conversation back and forth has been a game changer in our home. Um, Do you typically recommend that? What does that look like? I oh, do. <laughs> Glad I wasn't going yes, off script Yes, I too do. Much. And I have an official name oh, for yes. it. So it's yeah, a collaboration contract. Ooh. So I highly recommend that you do this in moments where there are no heightened yes. emotions. So calm. Every, it's a good day. Everything is fine. I have a mechanical engineer husband who is a stereotypical engineer. Just, <laughs> yes. um, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> We will end there. Um, And I taught this sequence to him. Mm. And, you know, we see or hear something, we make up a story, we emotionally react to the story. And now we have um, this collaboration contract, which isn't anything like written. It's just like an agreement between us. Like, if I notice that you're making up a story, then, you know, he's going to point it out to me and I'll point it Mm. out to him. What I will say Treat this like an experiment because, for instance, if you make this agreement with your husband and then all of a sudden um, you're like, you're making up a story, you know, that's probably not going to go well. So (laughs) have a a term that you want to use. Um, like it could be anything as simple as like, what are you thinking? Bananas. There's no rules here. It's just whatever you want. And deliver it with empathy. Okay, so that way you're not triggering someone who's already triggered. And I love that too. And, and really waiting until it's a calm, calm, safe space to have that conversation has been really huge and really just putting yourself in their shoes. How would I want to be approached about this? And I always recommend, I'm guessing you would too, is never in front of the kids. Please don't do it in front of the kids, you know, and, and having these conversations really are for your private time to discuss things that happened because that can also feel very attacking when a parent is being kind of parented in front of their children, right? And so you want to be this united front. And so I absolutely love um, those tips and helping your partner get on board with it as well. And so maybe have them listen to this episode and the one over at the Mamuel and and understand how this yes. process works. Um, gosh, I just feel... I have yes. one thought on the conversation. Yes. With, okay, so I have a more flexible opinion oh, about whether great. or not to do it in front of kids. And my stance is... I want my kids to learn how to have healthy disagreements and healthy conflict. Some people feel like, you know, by conflict, but I want them to learn how to disagree with somebody in a way that is calm. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to think of like the right adjectives to describe this, but like, it's, it's just really healthy. And so, um, 
that is something that I do because I want them to know those skills. And that was really not on my radar until one of my girlfriends mentioned, like, she's like, her husband's family never had any fights in front of him. And then like now as an adult, it's something that he really struggles with. And so that was a light bulb moment for me. We're getting a little, but I think this relates still, you know, because there's so many emotions with food. So I just wanted to share that. Um, And I share tips on my Instagram page around like how to have those conversations relatively frequently. So if you're curious about like, okay, well, how do I do this in a a way that's healthy disagreement, then Yeah. And I I will (laughs) clarify. So when I was saying not in front of the kids, this is like that time I think of experimentation of seeing how they're going to respond until you get it down where you feel like you can approach it Mm -hmm. um, in front of the kids. That's fine. But in our home, 100 percent at the beginning of starting to have these conversations, it needed to be done away from the kids. A lot of times because it was about something they did as parents. And it wasn't just like, Mm. oh, you said this to me and then catching it in that moment. It was like, hey, I saw Mm. you say this to our child or I saw you, you know, you're doing this or you're on your phone or whatever it might be. And to my Uh, husband specifically, and I feel the same way. So I guess it's wrong of me to assume other people would, but like to have that conversation in front of the kids for the very first time was very, again, triggering where you then have your defenses up and you're like, no, no, no. Right. Right. And it kind of, I think takes some of, it can feel like it takes some of your authority away, but I agree 100% to have healthy conflict Mm. in front of your children, especially to each other. And our role in our home is if we ever have our children witness any conflict, they also have to witness the resolution the apology, whatever it might be, even if it's totally fake and like we apologized last night and we're totally fine, but like do it again in the morning. So that's kind of our role in our home. Absolutely. And we always, always, always repair with our children as well. So in these moments, the examples that you're giving, um, when I've gotten to those places of, you know, either being explosive or angry or frustrated or sad or hurt Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be, I will always circle back when my emotions are calm (laughs) and bring it back to them and apologize for it and let them know that that was something I own. That was not their responsibility to help me with my regulating of my emotions. And I, I kind of explained that in a child way. That was actually something I think my parents did very well. Sometimes it would take a day or two to cool off and come back, but they would yeah. always repair. Um, and I, I remember oh, that so I clearly. Yes. That. So important. And oh. it built up so much respect mm-hmm. and honesty. I felt like I could come to them. I felt like we could share things. I felt like, you know, we had that um, repair. So it was never this thing of like, if I get mad at them, it'll be shattered forever. It was like, I can get mad at them. I can tell them why I'm angry and we can still move past it in a healthy way and, and, and learn from each other and get to that final place. And I absolutely loved it. And it, it really created a, such a solid foundation as a kid that now I'm really close with my parents. And I think that's a huge reason oh, why. That's incredible. Yeah. I love hearing that because it's so often, you know, it really takes setting the ego aside to, to circle back and repair. And so often my clients didn't have that. And so now it's like building that skill that this actually reminded me of something, you know, that I wanted to point out related to picky Mm -hmm. eating. Um, When, when we feel triggered by our children, not doing what we, what we think is healthiest for them, what we want them to do when it comes to food. Um, let's say the emo that, you know, we get angry in the moment The everyone is going to, you know, get angry, right. everyone. So I want you to give yourself some grace and also remember that the best way to get them 
to, is to connect yeah. with you, you know? It, so, so a lot of times we're, you said something earlier. I'm like stumbling over my words, trying to remember what you said, but you said like, just, just eat the broccoli right. or I think I heard you say something like that. And it's like, actually that's probably going to make them less likely to eat the broccoli. And so it's really connecting with them first yes. yep, and not pressuring Either. Exactly. And this is, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to make that 100%. Point. Yeah. It's so important. I always kind of talk about this in this way of like being a safe environment. And I, I will never forget yes. the time that I was talking about this. And I said, Oh, safe foods on the table and make them feel safe and all these things. I got a DM that was like, what do they have? What do they have to not feel safe about? Broccoli doesn't bite or something like that. And I thought it was so funny. And so obviously, like a reminder to me that my language of how I teach things needs to maybe shift a little bit that, okay, I don't actually mean necessarily this idea that we as adults feel physically safe. We have a different version of safe, but our children need to feel connected. That's a great way to put it. Because when we feel connected, we feel at safe, right? We can let we can let our guards down. And that's when truly the magic happens. They're willing to try something new. They know that their opinions and thoughts and autonomy are respected. They can yes. say yes. They can say no. They can ask for more. They can ask to leave the table. Whatever that might be, they have autonomy. They're able to communicate with you because you are connected first. And a lot of times I will say there's like this teeter, right? Because sometimes I'll say, you know, connection over everything else, focus on connection, create a safe space, make it a pleasurable experience, mm-hmm. you know, set them up for success. A lot of these terms I use. And sometimes I think yes. parents can interpret this as um, cater to them or uh, you'll never have any tantrums. Oh, not having boundaries. Uh, exactly. Oh, Avoid the tantrum okay. at all costs. And that is really, truly not what I'm saying. I'm saying you have firm, clear, set up boundaries, which is actually the environment the child yes. feels most safe. And then um, and you have to hold those boundaries sometimes, which does turn into tantrums for sure. But you're still doing everything on your end to set them up for success. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that? Maybe those boundaries and, and how um, how important boundaries actually are for children? Yes. So the boundaries do create an environment. They're like guardrails where they know what to expect. And a lot of times I think people, they have negative stories around what a tantrum means. Like for instance, if we pull that apart, it might be like, I'm doing a bad job as a mom or I'm doing something wrong, or I should be able to control this, or I'm not competent enough or whatever. But a tantrum is them releasing their emotions. And so if we go back to the beginning Mm -hmm. of this podcast, what I was recommending is that they go all the way through the emotional cycle. We want them to release. And in the moment with the tantrum, the connection, like I, you know, that you still love them. Like even, even through that is what's so important. Yes. That I'm still here. It's okay. It's okay to feel anger. It's okay. You know, and that's the other thing too, is when you talk about this cycle of emotions for both us and for our children, because a lot of us too are doing some almost like reparenting work of like allowing ourselves to feel these emotions that we maybe weren't allowed to feel as kids, whether that was intentional or not by our, by our parents. A lot of my own like repression of my emotions, I think was a lot (laughs) self-imposed. You know, and I just think a lot of it, too, is just modeled from my parents. So even though they were telling me it was okay to have emotions, if they weren't letting themselves have emotions, I picked up on that. And that's I tell my clients that all the time. I'm like, model the behavior you want them to have at the table. Try new foods. Sit at the table. Eat with them. Use the utensil. Because 
we can say all the right things in the world, but if you are not modeling the behavior, it's going to be really hard for them to pick up on it. And um, and I just think that's so important of remembering that this is the best thing we can do for our children is actually heal ourselves first. And so letting us go through these emotions and allowing the emotion. Can we talk a little bit about that? Maybe um, there's no emotions that are off limits, right? And there's nothing wrong with having an emotional response or an emotion come up. It's how we act on it. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So I always like to make that distinction. There's feeling emotions and then there's a behavior. And so a lot of times, for instance, emotions get a bad reputation because people are really thinking about a certain behavior that they don't think is okay or is acceptable. And so every emotion is okay, is acceptable. None of them are Mm -hmm. bad. There are behaviors kicking, hitting, you know, <laughs> things like that, that are, are not okay. And that's where we hold firmly on the boundaries. Absolutely. Yeah. And just such a good reminder that it's okay to feel and express anger in a way that is not harming someone else. And, and that's okay too. And so um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about some of your tips and strategies for people that if they experience an emotion and they automatically have a behavior already associated with, with it, I think a lot of parents can probably resonate with anger equals yelling right? For example, what are some ways that you can kind of complete that rainbow, if you will, and express that anger or, you know, work through that anger instead of just shoving it back down? Because that that doesn't work either. And obviously, yelling is not ideal. So so what is it that we can do to work through that? Yeah. Okay. So in the immediate moment, like maybe some of these are going to sound silly, but I'm serious, like screaming into a pillow, you know, if you have like a punching bag or punching a pillow or, um, honestly angry journaling, Mm, I do that. Like I will just like everything that I wouldn't say out loud, all the hatred, all the defensiveness, just get it out. Um, going for a Mm. jog. So like, I will put on like some music that like is, intense just to to get the energy out of the body in some way because when you repress your emotions that will keep them persisting so when you repress them they will persist so that you've you've got to get them out in some way and so those are like in the moment things but this is also about being proactive Mm, yeah and now, like if, if you have like, like just picture a, a scale from zero to 10 and 10 is like, you're just totally like raging, totally super, super angry. You've got to give yourself experiences, give yourself permission to rest and recharge so that you can lower your stress level. So, because it, let's say you're, you're probably a typical mom and you're go, go, go. You've got all these things. You're checking it off. You're managing the household. Maybe you're working too. You're trying to keep everything straight. Your stress level might like always be like at an eight. So it's not going to take much for you to yell. You got to get it down so that when those little things happen, you've got space on that scale. I don't know if like listening to a podcast, I'm doing like visuals with (laughs) my hands, but (laughs) that's so true though, is, you know, a lot of us think we're going from zero to 10 and we're like, what is wrong with me? Right. We ask that question. What is wrong with me? Why am I angry all the time? How do I go from zero to a 10? So lightning quick. And it's because you're not starting from a zero 
You're not I zero. I love that advice yeah. and that kind of visual. And and it's the same kind of similar to when we say you can't pour from an empty cup, right? Like you have to get yes. yourself back down to zero. You have to reset yourself and find ways to do that, that honor you as a person and your family. And again, model that for your children and modeling that really, this is, we're talking about self-care here, right? And um, yes. I think modeling taking care of yourself in those moments, but mm-hmm. also in in preparation of those moments, like you said, being really um, proactive is one of the best things we can teach our children as well so that they too aren't just starting at a five or an eight. I mean, we went through that, I think most of us did during the pandemic, that I felt like my kids were always at like a six or a seven or something like that. So it was so quick to tantrum, so quick to tantrum. It's like, so many. Right. Oh. There was so much going yes. on. Still is. But of course, you know, yeah. working too, not only finding what brings you back down to zero, but getting really curious about what gets your kids back down to zero. Like, I don't know if you've read um, The Love Languages. There's one for like adults and yes. there's one for kids. And I haven't read oh, the kid it's one. It's so wonderful. It, it makes me just like feel so warm inside that I like know now with my son what his love language is because for a while I couldn't um. tell. And I think, cause here's the thing I think with kids, don't quote me on this. I'm not an expert in this area at all, yeah. but I think with kids, they all have everything more heightened than maybe, maybe adults do um, because they don't really know. And so for my son, for a long time, it felt like, Oh, physical touch. And, you know, saying compliments or using words of affirmation and little gifts and things like that really lit him up. But now that he's six, especially I think because of his age, I have just noticed it's a hundred percent quality time. It's phone down, AirPods out, TV off, down on the floor with him. 10 minutes, 10 minutes, you guys. It takes 10 minutes, huge difference with Mm -hmm. him just immediately. And, you know, every kid is so different. But um, I do think age played into it because when he was younger, I tried to figure it out. And I was like, I don't know, everything seems to work really well. (laughs) Now he's kind of separated from the pack a little bit. And it's like very clearly quality time. And I think probably every kid is quality time for a period in their life, right? They want that connection with their parents. So, oh gosh, that's so good. And um, oh gosh, I forgot what I was going to say. I usually write it down, but I forgot because we were talking so much. Um, Oh, that's okay. I can add to one thing that I said. So I gave some like some proactive tips in terms of like reducing that stress and what to do in the moment to release that anger. But there is also the deeper work too. And it's written, it's really gaining awareness around like, okay, what insecurities are being triggered that result in these heightened emotions Mm. and, um, doing that work long-term brings lots and lots of benefits. So it's not just maybe these tips, you might've heard them here or there, but when people say like doing the inner work, it's really coming down to addressing your insecurities and letting go of those. And that's like a whole whole long, long (laughs) training conversation, but I just wanted to plant that seed so that people know that there's more that can be done as well. Yeah, and I, I think that's actually where I was going is asking you how and what, what is your method? How do you work with moms? And what is what does that process look for? Like a high level view, if they're interested in working with you to, you know, um, flip some of the mindset issues, how is that done? Do you go into that inner work with them? Um, what does that look like? Yes, absolutely. So I have a 10 week course and all the content is recorded. So you do it at your own pace. So it's perfect for busy moms. Everything is no more than 15 minutes long. And 
in throughout the modules, the first module is really around helping you build the capacity to understand your emotions and feel them so that they are not bubbling up and like you're not feeling like constantly anxious, for example. And in the second module, I teach you all about the things that the brain does on autopilot. The purpose of this is because I promise you, you are beating yourself up probably on a regular basis, maybe a daily basis, because you're human. Yeah. And and like so many people are like, why am I like this? Why can't I be present? Why am I comparing? Why this? Why that? And and, And so learning the science behind the way that your brain works can help you really feel calmer. So I call this the observational self. Mm. And basically, if you've had one of those days where like something happens and bad happens, and then another bad thing happens, and then you kind of like spiral out, this skill set helps you like, cut that process off so that you can have a great day even after and not just take that negative spiral. Um, The third module, tell me if I'm going too long. No, that's okay. um, Is all about defense mechanisms. I love teaching people about defense mechanisms because all the things like when we say like, we don't like these things in other people, or it's just their personality, I can't get along with them. Or even moments if you felt like you don't like your own children, it's a defense mechanism. And the definition of a defense mechanism is you're not wanting to feel your own negative feelings. It's not about protecting you from anybody else. It's about temporarily giving you relief from feeling your own negative feelings. So it's all tied to emotions and mindset. And so when people gain these skills, it can be for me, at least when I did, I, my mind was blown. I was like, holy smokes, I'm defensive 90% of the time. (laughs) Absolutely. And so conquering that is just, you can tell I'm excited about it, but it just can bring so, so much relief and ease into your life. And then we go a little bit deeper in module four. And then I find most of my clients have a harsh inner critic. They're beating themselves up. And so I really help them shift to compassion mm. and acceptance rather than criticism for themselves. That's incredible. And and yeah. really learning how to rewrite those stories, right, that we're talking about. And and I think that's so critical with being more self-compassionate and understanding and, and just bringing that awareness too of where is this coming from? Why am I always at an eight? You know, what's, what's happening here? That's, um, I, I love that kind of visual of, keeping yourself from feeling those negative emotions um, is 100% something I struggle with. And, and it's gotten better for sure. It's taken time. So I'm so thrilled that you're here and that I've loved talking with you on both podcasts. Um, I'll be sure to link our other podcasts down below as well, um, as well as your Instagram. If you guys are not following her on Instagram, definitely go check her out. And, and you have like an introductory little course too, right? I took that. <laughs> yes, I do. Can you yes, tell them about I that? I have a yes, challenge. It's so good. Yeah, it's a five five mon- or five yes. video challenge. You could do it in five days or whatever you want. Um, and I've gotten some great feedback. Like this is better than my current therapist <laughs> type feedback. So it, 
if you just want an introduction, that is perfect for you. And it's brave dash method slash challenge. And you can get signed awesome. up. There. And I actually did it after we talked last time because I was like, this was so good and so mind blowing and so 100% what I needed. And it was so helpful. So definitely check that out. I'll link that down below as well. Um, thank you so much thank for you. your time and to come back again to chat through this stuff. But I do, I think you're exactly right. It, it can really um, blow your mind when you start to realize that a lot of this is um, within our control and something that we can change about ourselves. And we actually do have the power, the ability and the stamina to work through it so that we set our kids up for a better life as well. And um, and parenting is just so much smoother, you guys. It really is. When you start to shift out of that perfectionist mindset, out of you know being kind of held captive by your emotions, feeling like I can't control, I'm angry. Of course, I'm going to yell. Of course, I'm going to, you know, get mad and whatever it is. Um, you know, it it feels so much more empowering for you and safer for your kids to be in the home with you. It's it's so yes. so worth it. Beautifully said, Alyssa. I'm like, wow. Yeah, you can do a lot in one podcast. <laughs> yes. so I feel like I'm acing a test right now. <laughs> nice. Uh, this was so helpful, Stephanie. Thanks so much. And um, to everyone who's listening, I will absolutely link everything down below that you need. And I will see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review, which also helps other mamas like you find this podcast too. You can find more from me on Instagram at Nutrition for Littles. Do you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast? Email me at alyssa at nutritionforlittles.com. All right, until next time, mamas.